The podcast is also sponsored by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music on Instagram at itztiger.music. You can find all his work on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He does all the music and tracks for the Block Hash podcast. Go check him out. Also, don't forget to check out Blockhash Plus on Patreon. This is something that's new, where you can learn more about trading, technical analysis, and charting, all for the price of two cups of coffee a month. That's pretty damn cheap. Sign up at patreon.com slash Blockhash. And last but definitely not least, Blockhash is offering consulting for all your blockchain needs. Buying, exchanging, selling, safe storage, tokenization, NFT creation, point of sale, you name it. We can help you. Go to blockhashpodcast.com slash consulting and let's talk. What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, May 26th, and today I have Dan Edelbeck, CEO of Exidio. Exidio is a global leader in transparent end-to-end VPN technology. Sentinel is their flagship decentralized VPN service offering security, privacy, and cheaper rates than their centralized counterparts. Dan himself has over 10 years of experience in business development, marketing, and operations, so he's a pretty talented guy and he knows his stuff. So with that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about Exidio and Dan himself. Enjoy. One, Dan, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on uh, Block Ash. Absolutely. So before we jump into, um, you know, talking about the company, what you guys are doing. Um, I have a lot of questions on that. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm sure my audience is uh, curious to what you do, um, what you did before this, you know, kind of how you got into this space, like what your interests were. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a apt time right now because there's, you know, it's bull market and there's a lot of hype and we're seeing it all over the news. And now Elon Musk is tweeting how, you know, he's not accepting Bitcoin for payments for cars, but and so now it's all over the news, but a lot of people are coming into our space, right? And it's exciting. And a lot of people want to think, oh, you know, maybe I don't want that traditional nine to five and maybe I want to take a job in the crypto industry. And that was kind of my story as well. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that it's, it's entirely possible. Um, I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, I'm a proud Badger. I grew up in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and um, studied business and took a corporate job with Nestle um, doing sales in Florida for them. After undergrad, uh, this is 2009, so right in the heart of the mm-hmm. kind of the financial crisis 1.0. But um, I couldn't do that job. I was there for like less than a year. I was like 11 months. Um, but I, Nestle divided his sales force into Walmart and everything else. So I was on Team Walmart, and I had 17 mm-hmm. Walmart stores in the Tampa area that I had to hit. And uh, just spending all day every day in Walmart, I just I couldn't do it. Um, so. I kind of took some time to explore uh, what, what I was really passionate about. Uh, I grew up in a household where service was really big. Um, we were always volunteering in the community or going to the vet's home or doing things with my family. And I uh, moved to Chicago and joined a nonprofit, uh, the CARA program, uh, since we granted a CARA Chicago. But CARA does uh, job training and job placement mm-hmm. for homeless. And that was an amazing organization. Uh, I still support it. And I was there for five years helping um, homeless people get employed and retain the job and break that cycle of poverty. Um, and in Chicago, I met my now wife 
um, on the train. And then uh, we both wanted to continue doing service work, but wanted to have some abroad experiences. And we moved to um, Costa Rica to do to serve in the Peace Corps. And um, that was really cool. We worked with local entrepreneurs there to help them explore kind of how to grow their businesses. We we're on a small island, Isla de Chira. Um, and that island is really a fishing island. Um, but when we were there, we helped kind of think have people think about ways to generate income outside of just fishing. And so we helped develop a local ecotourism economy there. Um, but also when I was in Costa Rica, there are times where people are blowing you off on your meetings and like there's downtime and it's a hundred degrees and you're sitting at home. And I had a lot of time to do kind of research. I started um, looking into finance and uh, trading uh, equities. And then I kind of fell down the proverbial crypto rabbit hole. Um, so from there, I've worked in the crypto space really since uh, 2017. Um, and I've worked with a few different projects. Salt Lending, I helped them kind of launch their initial community. Um, Block Party is a ticketing agency. And I was a marketing manager for them. And they've also now pivoted into NFTs. Um, but I've always been very involved and gotten you know, my hands dirty in a lot of communities. I always uh, try to provide feedback and, and value for the, for the community and kind of seeing where these projects are going. Um, and Sentinel was a project I was involved in since the very beginning, since the community launched right around the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Um, and just as a community member and more a cheerleader and passionate about what Sentinel is, Sentinel is a peer-to-peer -peer bandwidth protocol for people to offer bandwidth to the network. Um, and with that peer-to-peer -peer bandwidth protocol, we can have decentralized VPN. Mm -hmm. We can get into that a little bit, but um, it was I was always involved with Sentinel, and it was uh, last year that I came on uh, co-founding Exidio after I finished my MBA. Yeah. So what what is a decentralized VPN, or like what makes that like a thing? Like I'm I'm curious because like I have a VPN, I use it, and I know the benefits of one, but like what's the difference between a normal VPN and a, and a decentralized VPN with what you guys are doing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so like Alex, you're using a VPN. A lot of people are using VPNs. It's becoming a, like a really necessary product um, to be able to uh, have more privacy mm -hmm. online, to be able to um, be able to block your restrictions, be able to get access to content that you wouldn't otherwise. Um, but centralized VPNs are also a single point of failure. So instead of having your internet service provider as the company that could be logging all of your user data and reselling that or doing whatever they want with that user data, your metadata. We're just pushing that responsibility down the line to our VPN company. Mm -hmm. So almost all VPN companies um, don't open source their code. We can't prove that they're end-to-end -end encrypted and we can't really prove what's going on with uh, the actual user data going through the exit node of a VPN company. Um, but in the central network, it's a peer-to-peer -peer network, similar to like the Tor okay. network. And so the exit node is any individual that's offering bandwidth to this marketplace. So there is no one central company. There is no one entity that could possibly be logging your data. Okay. So like, do you have like a bunch of people that are running nodes for the network and like supporting yeah, right it? Right now there's a little over 500. I think we're closer to 550 nodes okay. active across the world right now. Um, and that I expect to scale very quickly um, because uh, there'll be an incentive um, program that's coming on to really offer um, benefits for node hosts that are offering their bandwidth. Is there like an incentive for people like to, to actually do it and set up these nodes and, you know, participate in the network to make exactly. it happen? So um, Sentinel has its own native uh, cryptocurrency, the DVPN token. And that token, decentralized VPN, the DVPN token mm -hmm. is paid out to node hosts that are offering bandwidth to the network. And there's actually going to be a special um, node host incentive program coming on in the next couple of weeks um, to really bootstrap uh, a broader um 
VPN bandwidth sharing network right now um, to go from, you know, 550 nodes to really making it easy and accessible for anyone to offer their bandwidth of the network and generate passive income for doing so. Um, so it's, it's similar to a Tor network, but it's, uh, it's incentivized. And so there's financial incentive to offer your bandwidth to the network. Was there like a, a single reason why you wanted to get into decentralized VPNs? Like, were you having issues with an existing VPN in the past or like from a bad experience? Or did you just see like the, the potential to improve upon uh, the problems that traditional VPNs have? Like, was there like a single moment or idea? Yeah. So for me personally, um, I have used other VPNs in the past and I haven't had one specific instance where I was like, oh, I don't trust this VPN company. Um, but I have... You know, mm -hmm. it's well documented that many VPN companies have been hacked and they are logging user data. Um, and it's not just that, you know, this is a project building, leveraging blockchain technology and, and a decentralized network. It's about the sovereign rights for us as individuals to reclaim our privacy online, reclaim our um, data mm -hmm. online, and to be able to have, you know, sovereign rights that I feel, I feel like are just you know, a challenge and we need to take that seriously, our, our rights to our independence online. Um, we're actually uh, a supporter of uh, a foundation, the Own Your Data Foundation, which was founded by uh, Brittany Kaiser, who was a part of uh, Cambridge Analytica originally. And then she was the initial whistleblower on all of the, um, you know, dirty tactics that they were using, scraping Facebook data and making targeted ads mm -hmm. to influence political campaigns. Um, but, you know, Leveraging the opportunity now to change that narrative and to give us ourselves an opportunity to have a more sovereign and private uh, experience online, just like we would in our own homes, um, is something that I'm really passionate about. So when I first heard about Sentinel and then I started digging deeper into um, how centralized and how um, vulnerable VPN companies are, I started realizing this is a huge problem that, that actually has a really novel solution. Yeah, it sounds like a really good solution. Like, is so it's available now. Like, if I wanted to use it today, like to VPN my way through to this uh, this recording, like, could I do that? Absolutely. Yeah. So we have um, there's now it's there's uh -huh. Exidio, and we're the software development company building on the Sentinel network. But the Sentinel network itself is truly a peer to peer network, right? It's everyone that's offering bandwidth to the network, and everyone that's leveraging um, that bandwidth marketplace to be able to access. Um, IP addresses around the world. And so Exidio, we're building applications that connect to that bandwidth network. Um, and so Exidio has built our own proprietary one, the Sentinel DVPN. But then there's another company um, that has their own application called the Velocity VPN. And that's also built on the network. And now as other companies or entrepreneurs want to start up their own VPN projects and they want to build it on this growing, robust Sentinel network, they can hire Exidio and we'll help them with the front end application with the integration on the network and ensuring that everything runs smoothly for their customer base. Um, but yeah, you can use the Sentinel DVPN right now on Android or iOS, uh, and you can use it on um, uh, the Velocity VPN as well. And uh, we're working on building out a custom um, desktop client, uh, a V3 client for um, full VPN access uh, on desktop as well. Yeah. What's the easiest way to use it? Like, do you have to set it up through a browser, like through an extension or is it, you know, downloading via like a desktop client, the easiest way? Can you do it on your phone too? Yeah. So it is on um, the iOS store. So you can download mm -hmm. it on your iPhone and it's on the Android store. So you could download it uh, on your, uh, on Wait, your Android device. Um, and then as far as on, uh, I want to find it. Wait. it. Is it just called Sentinel or what? Yeah. Sentinel DVPN. 
There it is. Oh my God. 4.6 stars. You guys are doing something right. It's, uh, it's been great. We've taken a lot of feedback from the community in, in our development. So I think that's had a lot of impact. Um, we're not the only project that's trying to work on this problem of decentralized mm-hmm. VPN, but I would say that other projects that are um, building, you know, peer-to-peer um, bandwidth sharing marketplaces haven't had as much traction as we've had. I think that goes to uh, say a lot about how we've developed community. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm a testament to that. I was just a community member that was really impressed with the concept of the project and the transparency of the project mm-hmm. and uh, the consistent communication um, and kind of the scrappiness of the project. It's always been like a hodgepodge group of developers that are working together. They're actually passionate about the tech. Um, so with that information, we've been able to uh, take feedback from community and uh, continually iterate and develop apps based on the uh, community's feedback. Yeah. Where's your community based, um, you know, online? Do you guys have like a Discord community or um, do you have, is it most on Twitter or is it a public space, private space? Yeah. So it's public on Twitter, um, twitter.com slash sentinel underscore co. And then on Telegram as well, t.me slash sentinel underscore co. So Twitter Mm -hmm. and Telegram are um, primary communities. Uh, And there's a lot of other specific sub communities within Telegram uh, for different geographies. I think we have like 12 or 13 different countries that have their own Sentinel, uh, Sentinel telegram group um, that are speaking in their own languages that are using the app around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also have a a discord as well, but the discord isn't quite as active as the telegram group. Yeah. Do you guys get a lot of engagement like in your guys's community? Yeah. I think that's what really has stood out for Sentinel and why I was excited when I was finishing my MBA. I did a 12 month kind of sprint Mm -hmm. uh, in-person MBA in Boston, uh, but I was always very involved with Sentinel. And uh, talking to some of the original founders of the project, they were saying we need to develop the software development arm building on Sentinel. Um, and we think you'd be a great leader. And that really came from my involvement in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was super involved in the community because of the engagement. It's, it's kind of like a, it's a vibrant kind of crazy crowd that really cares about the tech and really thinks that we deserve a more private experience online. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not, I, I think that it's not as much uh, a little bit, some of the like, you know, FOMO and moon boys and excitement just around the price. Um, it's, it's really a pretty strong community around, uh, privacy tech. So it's been cool to see, uh, individuals come together around that, uh, that strong narrative. Um, yeah. So, uh, you'll see they've called it, they've kind of mean themselves into existence as the blue friend gang. Mm -hmm. And if you type in like hashtag blue friend gang on Twitter, you'll see all these blue pepes. Uh, and they've made themselves the Sentinel Blue, and it's kind of crazy to see it all come together. Um, what's the What's the yeah. Blue Friend Gang? Is that that just a a chat forum or a group? No, it's like an identity now of the Sentinel, um, the Sentinel community oh. that are like against centralization mm-hmm. and like um, against like privacy and peering or peering eyes. Um, it's become like this rabid, rabid kind of crazy community that's happened. I think. Over the last like nine months, maybe I just started seeing a lot of things like posting up on uh, Twitter and then like they're, they've been on like 4chan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a lot of people in the community that have built, put like built memes and like kind of like built, like kind of come together around the concept of Sentinel. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been cool to see. That's really good though. They have that kind of community. I'll get you, uh, I'll get you in the blue friend gang. Yeah. I'd love to be in it. Yeah. No, it's cool. Cause like, I feel really lucky to be a part of, a project where there's so many people that are actually passionate about the tech and the next step in the roadmap and the development. Um, and that have like 
meme themselves into this collective identity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it reminds me kind of like the the Link Army, um, the Link Marines. It's like uh, yeah. the Blue Friend Gang. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to check that out at some point. Is there a cost associated with using your guys's VPN? So like, I use um, like a like Nord VPN for like just a normal VPN for like trying to stream like Netflix in the US or something, some in Columbia. Um, and that cost me, I don't know, 100, 120 bucks a year, something like that. Or I don't, I don't know, something like that. But like, do you guys have like a price associated with using the service or is it actually like completely free or like if it is free, is there any downfall to that? Is it slower? Yeah. So uh, we're moving on to our mm-hmm. like mainnet two um, on Cosmos IBC and that'll be happening at the end of this month. And as we do that, we will be monetizing the network. Uh, and so it'll be a, a paid service. So we'll always have mm-hmm. a freemium model. You'll be able to download any app and use it and ex- explore and experience the app. But then um, there'll be only a limited amount of nodes that you can access. And there'll be a limited amount of bandwidth that you can use before you've been invited to um, use the paid model. Um, but it's it's crucial that like with a NordVPN or Express or, you know, TunnelBear, sure. any of these applications that have a really good user experience, we need to match them at that. And then on top of UX, we need to also have a cheaper price. Because while, while, you know, provably end-to-end encrypted is important and you're actually getting privacy and uh, you can actually open read the open source code, while that's important to, you know, strong people with strong ethos around privacy tech, the individual consumer is going to look for the best user experience and the cheapest price. Yeah. When you roll out like this next step in development, like, do you know on average what you think the price is going to be? Yeah. So uh, we're targeting around three or four dollars a month. Um mm-hmm. And that's going to be, it's going to be an open marketplace. So there'll be a subscription service around that price point um, that you can pay similar to what you have with Nord, or you can pay based on the amount of bandwidth that you use. And that will be actually up to individual node hosts to set their own price in a competitive market. Um, And you can select the nodes that have, uh, you can see their consistent uptime, their their bandwidth throughput, uh, details around each node, and then the price point that they're charging. Um, So it'll make for... I think a more competitive pricing marketplace where everyone is, every node is um, looking to, you know, generate passive income and make a profit, but uh, not have crazy rent seeking. Like you said, $10 a month, mm-hmm. $120 a year is, is crazy. The amount of profit that Nord is making on that product. Yeah. Um, th- these prices don't have to be that high. Yeah. I don't think they should be that high. Um, but I mean, I pay it anyways, but I'd love to pay less than that. Um, but in terms of, Cause you're the VPN expert. I don't know that much about VPNs. So like in terms of like how fast it is, like from a bandwidth perspective, like if someone wanted to stream like some streaming service, like Netflix or Disney plus, cause they're outside the country and they need to get around certain, you know, internet firewalls to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how fast is Sentinel in the network or is that really depend on how many nodes are out there? Like, like what, what's the factor that helps determine that? It'll be the actual exit node mm-hmm. that you're routing your traffic through. So what their throughput is. Um, and so you'll have all that information at your, at your access when you're connecting to the app. And it also, that's one factor. And then if you're going to um, use like a multi-hop architecture where you're routing your traffic through multiple nodes and it's encrypted and decrypted at each hop, um, the more nodes that you have in that multi-hop architecture um, can slow down the, the throughput of your internet as well. Um, so it really depends on how many hops you set up your architecture and what is the the, um, 
the throughput of your exit node. Um, can you choose like which node and then like, like, cause some people want to show up in like certain places, certain cities, certain countries, like, is that a potential option as well? Yes, exactly. So you can pick not only the, uh, the country, but you can pick the individual city and the individual node that you're routing your traffic through. And you can do that on your, uh, you know, your iPhone or your Android mm-hmm. phone right now. Um, and the V3 client that we're building out, we're building out an interactive map where you can actually select, select the geography and dial into the individual nodes. Can you pay with crypto? Absolutely. Yeah. And so <laughs> we, you can pay with crypto and we're also going to be working on uh, fiat uh, gateways as well. Um, because one thing is we've been pretty lucky um, to see a lot of traction for our products. Like I said, you know, you said you saw the 4.6 star review uh, mm-hmm. on iPhone, but we've really had a significant user base. And we've seen a, a real demand for this. I would say probably 95% of the people using the Sentinel DVPN app are not crypto native users or are not really like looking at the token or really like focused on that. They're really looking for better privacy tech and a secure VPN experience online. Um, there was an article that came out recently in Al Jazeera that uh, Palestinian protesters were um, using it to disseminate information when they couldn't mm-hmm. otherwise because uh, internet... Um, Internet uh, ISP providers were, were shutting down um, the ability to communicate over certain forums. So they couldn't get access to websites like Facebook uh, and they were using VPN, uh, a decentralized VPN to be able to get access to uh, Signal and Telegram to be able to share uh, share messages. Right. So yeah, you, um, I think that's one thing that really makes uh, Sentinel pretty powerful and unique. So we're, we're at over 300,000 users around the globe that are using the app across using the network across all the applications. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Are you guys um, launched in multiple different countries or just the US or like what market are you guys mostly focused on growing first? So yeah, where wherever there's people that want to offer bandwidth as nodes to the network, it's truly a peer-to-peer network. So there's no way that, you know, I could stop it if I wanted to, um, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty cool. But uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of nodes um kind of popping up all over. So in Europe, in the Middle East, uh, North America, um, we're looking to continually grow um, access in China and having uh, VPN um, node hosts in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge opportunity there and we're seeing a huge user demand. So there's quite a few Chinese users, um, but now seeing more, we're looking to see more node hosts offer bandwidth through China. Um, but it's, it's truly pretty global. Um, so anyone can offer their bandwidth to the network. Yeah, if you can get through the the great firewall of China, that's a that's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of it's a big market there. A lot of people that you know want access to you know um, Western society, you know stuff that they just can't get. It just sucks. You know, I would hate to live in China or be a Chinese citizen and be completely shut off or being filtered in terms of what you could see and what you could do outside of China. It's just it's just a huge issue. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think that that's. Like people, there's two mm-hmm. benefits to a VPN, right? There's giving yourself privacy and not having your internet service provider peer into mm-hmm. your activity online. But then there's your right to access to information and being able to, you know, avoid uh, restrictions, be them, be, be them your ISP, be them your country, uh, whatever type of uh, gatekeeper is holding you back from getting access to free information. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're, there is a huge, large user base of uh Sentinel DVPN users in China, but that's an actually an opportunity for us to continue to grow. Um, we have been able to, you know, pass the Great Firewall, and people are really appreciative of the app. And so I think there's a huge opportunity to grow. One thing that makes it challenging is it's hard to do marketing uh, locally in China because mm-hmm. of the restrictions around VPN. 
So, you know, uh, brands or influencers or companies can't come out and directly promote uh, a VPN due to the kind of, you know, fine nature of products and uh, VPN products in China. Yeah, I guess that's tricky too. Do these ISPs, are they the ones that are selling the information when you, when you're searching things on your phone and on your computer and stuff, are they the ones that sell it to the big tech companies and everything? Cause it's like every time I look something up on Google on my phone and then it's like an hour later, I see an ad for it pop up on my TV or something. It's just like the creepiest thing in the world. But that's the least of the amount of mm-hmm. information they have on you. Um, and it's, it's just not right. It's just not a world that we signed up for. Um, and I think we're so quick, especially in the internet age, um, to trade, you know, uh, you know, rights or privacy for convenience. And we don't like most people don't understand when, when they're, you know, signing up for AT&T or Claro or whatever their ISP is, what, uh, what that entails and what information that they're, they're giving up by just leveraging an ISP. And internet service providers really have monopolies on the local jurisdictions that they offer. Um, so yeah, ISPs for for decades have been known to collect metadata and sell that um, or use that for their own information. Um, and then these these centralized databases get hacked and leaked as well. Yeah, it's definitely a huge issue. So I mean, hopefully there's more services, and especially like this, to keep popping up to help you know give people options to you know resolve it. So just it kind of sucks. So that's a society we do live in where, you know, all of our everyday information, whether it's public or private, it's taken away from us and using, used against us to get us to buy things or, you know, use services or use apps. And I don't know, I feel like it's just a really bad part about society still. But, well, you know, blockchain will help change a lot of that. It'll create a lot of different incentives and hopefully change the system up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not um, a snap mm-hmm. your finger and solve the problem uh, type of solution for sure. And Sentinel isn't uh, a one shot and all of your privacy tech is completely taken care of. Um, however, it's, it's a part of the, of the important stack that we need to build for, for privacy and for decentralized web. Um, and a bandwidth sharing marketplace, I think, is really one of the core layers and core tenets of like the building the Web3 stack. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a direction we're all kind of together heading towards. Um, in terms of like your guys's roadmap, other than, you know, the next rollout you guys have and everything, what, what other milestones should people be looking out for going into the rest of the year? Like what's important that you want people to be aware of? Yeah. So the, the V3 client, the desktop mm-hmm. applications that we're building out are going to be crucial. And then um, after that, scaling the node network and having a far more robust amount of people offering bandwidth to the network as we monetize the network. And then after that, letting companies that want to leverage this uh, robust and growing network um, build on top of it and offer unique products. Um, and like you said, are they uh, some product, like you said, how does the Sentinel DVPN application work? And it's a standalone desktop application, but another company might want to build um, a, a browser extension. Another, people, another company might want to build it as natively integrated into their own application. Uh, so the different use cases and applications of Offering a VPN seamlessly into um, different companies' products is something that is going to be important, and we need to make that like access to VPN really, really seamless. Um, so, building out white label offerings, and then uh, building out a multi hop multi hop architecture um, would be the next step. 
So right now there, it is going through um, just, you can go to the, your one direct exit node, mm-hmm. but building out a true um, multi-hop privacy architecture is something that we're looking to begin doing in the second half of 2021 um, and, and implementing it um, in the beginning of 2022. Sweet. Sounds pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to check out the app today too, and I'll leave you guys a good review and, um, and everything. Like I, I need a new VPN badly. I don't want to spend 120 bucks a month or not, not a month, but a year, but still, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I trust NordVPN and all the other centralized ones. They all say that they're not selling your information or they're not logging anything, but I kind of have a hard time believing that. Mm. So the decentralized VPN route. Well, actually, in 2019, yeah, Nord was hacked. I'll send I'll send you the article after this video, but they were hacked and proving that they were logged. Oh, that's that's that. awful. <laughs> so it's it's you know this this is just big honeypots that people are using uh, that mm-hmm. that VPN companies have. And another huge issue with the VPN industry, um, as it is currently, is it's very much an oligopoly. There's like four or five large companies that own the vast majority of VPN mm-hmm. products. Um, it's just that you kind of have to go down the rabbit hole a little bit and you realize that like there's a holding company that uses it, that, that, that holding company has a different parent company. Mm-hmm. And when you, you get to it, a lot of these front end applications are really built from the same few companies. Um, so it's, you know, using centralized VPNs is, is, is a serious liability. And it's something that I think people aren't aware of because it's, um, they, they have so much money because they, their profit margins are so high. They, mm-hmm. They control the majority of their SEO and like what's said about them online because they spend so much money making sure that they're just branding themselves and their offering. But people don't realize that they are actually a, a significant security liability. Gotcha. Do you guys have competition? I mean, other than them, do you guys have like an, another decentralized VPN out there that you guys kind of compete with in a friendly way? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're looking to um, grow our networks together. So Mysterium is another uh, network that is doing decentralized mm-hmm. VPN, um, and they we've we've actually worked with them to establish the DVPN Alliance, um, and it's a dvpnalliance.org. Uh, we have kind of a manifesto of where we see a more secure and private experience online mm-hmm. um, through decentralized networks. Uh, there's another one, Orchid Protocol. Orchid is um, looking to build decentralized VPN. I think they're still on the path towards full decentralization. Um, I know that they've used a, a few centralized VPN providers as their backend node hosts in the past, um, but I think that they're looking to make a transition. Um, and then uh, there's, a, there's a few other ones. A deeper network is a newer project, uh, and they have a hardware device um, that I think they're looking to um, individuals to offer their bandwidth through this hardware device. So, yeah, there's a few projects out there, um, and we want to see how we can collaborate. I don't think we need to be going head-to-head against each other as the centralized VPN. We need to be taking on centralized VPN companies that own mm. 99 plus percent of the market share. Um, and it's a growing market at an insane rate. Uh, I think VP, the VPN industry is one of the fastest growing markets, um, you know, in tech. It's been growing mm. at like a 20 something, 22 percent Kager. Um, the VPN industry in and of itself was like a 15 or 16 billion dollar industry in 2016. Mm. And it crossed 30 billion in 2020. And it's uh, expected to cross over seventy billion um, in the next like four years. Those are some big numbers, big projections. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, and I think COVID has been a big accelerant as everyone's working online and and mm-hmm. and are and are remote. Um, people are looking to get secure access. You know, they're not working from their um, you know 
private company workstations that have uh, the security protocols in place. Yeah, that is a huge push. So many people have been forced to, you know, do more and more online, whether it's, you know, personal for work or, you know, for your business. So, I mean, I, I can definitely see that as pushing, you know, VPNs or people towards looking at those differently as well, because it's just a big part of the whole online experience, especially for work in a company where you got a lot of sensitive information, you got have secure uh, information um, transmitted back and forth and you're calling people and video chatting. Yeah, I guess that definitely plays in. I didn't think about that before. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a new world we're living in now. I don't think everyone's going to go back mm-hmm. to an old paradigm now that we've realized that we can Yeah, the, words, work the world's completely different now. You mentioned a, the DVPN alliance. What is that? Is that like your guys' version of the Avengers to take on centralized VPNs or? <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. So it's uh, us and Mysterium uh-huh. so far. Uh, and we welcome other um, projects that are building in the decentralized VPN mm-hmm. space or uh, a decentralized bandwidth space um, to think about how we can best, yeah, band together, create industry best practices, do some advocacy work and provide like, provide a forum for education around what is secure access to a VPN and what are the risks of centralized VPNs compared to um, the power of decentralized VPN. Yeah. Have you guys put it together like anything educational, like you've done like um, a conference or um, put together like an um, online video series or anything like that to like kind of just educate people and tell them more about what decentralized VPNs are? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be interested in, in learning more about that stuff. Yeah. So we have high level explainer of, of what a decentralized VPN is and the values of it um, mm-hmm. on the DVPN Alliance website. And then we also go into what it's, uh, what the implications are of running an exit node and your, your legal rights. Um, a lot of people, that's a question. If I'm running an exit node and someone's, you know, using it for nefarious reasons, what is my legal liability? And um, we have legalese and uh, information around uh, what it's what the um, implications are of running an exit node. And, you know, as long as you just show that you're a part of a decentralized network and you are just a node in that network, then you're not liable for the traffic that's transmitted through your IP address. It's really cool. I, it'd be cool to see, like, more information. Like, I'd love to attend, like, a like an online like conference or like um, speaker series or something where they talk more about this. Um, I think Orchid did one. I had them on the podcast not too long ago and they did something similar as well, but it'd be cool to see more like online, like digital privacy yeah. type stuff out there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like I said, Sentinel is not like a silver bullet. that's going to take sure. care of all privacy solutions. So we're looking to find what are different like complementary products to provide a more decentralized and private experience online. Uh, so we're working with mm-hmm. Akash Network and they're in de- de- doing decentralized cloud compute. Um, and so you're not, we're not all depending on Infura, we're not all depending on um, you know, Azure or um, uh, Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. And then we're also gonna be looking to partner with Secret Network. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing uh, privacy at the, at the blockchain level. So, so private smart contracts and, and privacy for um, transmitting information and data. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities for us to find uh, collaborations and partnerships. A new product project that's coming out is uh, Panther Protocol. Um, mm-hmm. And they're also going to be doing um, decentralized or private privacy um, as a first, uh, a first layer blockchain for privacy and for smart contracts as well. Um, so I think we, we need to band together and explore how we can find smart collaborations and where the tech naturally kind of um, is complementary for one another to, to provide a better experience for everyone online. 
Yeah, absolutely. Have you guys reached out to Filecoin or IPFS uh, through Protocol Labs at all? Like potentially work with them? Yeah. So we're looking at different um, decentralized storage uh, options. Um, yeah. So we haven't had uh, conversations with IPFS mm-hmm. yet, but we are looking at uh, them or there's a lot of players in that space, right? Arweave, Storage, Storage, Sia Coin. So there's totally quite a few that, yeah. in that space. And it's kind of going to be interesting to see kind of, yeah. Um, but then also another project we're partnering with is the Handshake Network. And they're doing decentralized name bases, mm-hmm. so uh, decentralized uh, domains. Um, so yeah, decentralized DNS, I think, is also going to be a core part of like the Web3 stack. And um, we've had uh, a lot of good conversations with them, and we're starting to ha- um, build um, decentralized VPN nodes that can then directly route into um, Handshake Network. Yeah, it'd be cool to see you guys all kind of come together and collab a little bit to take all these different, um, you know, solutions you guys got to put it all together into something that's really streamlined so that we can all go to like one platform or one client that you download and kind of be able to have access to all of this. That'd be the best like experience. Yeah. So something uh, we are, we're in the works right now that I can't quite mm-hmm. announce, um, but there's a hardware device that's going to have a lot of this packaged into um, one plug and play device that we're working on and uh, working through the technical um the technical integration for what that looks like. Oh, that that sounds pretty cool. That's got me excited. All right, I'm, I'm I'll be waiting for that. What's the timeline on that? Yeah, um, probably towards the end of this year. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna keep my eye out for that. That's yeah, cool. probably in the next five, five months or so. Yeah, because it's it's about scaling out um, both the, the the tech integration, then also building out the hardware um, so that it can be sold at at a at scale. Sweet. Yeah. Keep me posted on that when that becomes announced. Um, yeah. You're welcome to come back on the podcast and talk about that one as well. That sounds pretty cool. This is probably a good place to wrap it up. We've gone for a little while. Um, so Dan, thanks for taking the time to come on and dive into, um, you know, Exito Sentinel, um, you know, everything with decentralized VPNs, why they're important, how they work. Um, I, I get a lot of questions about it all the time. So I know a lot of people will really enjoy the episode and find it educational. And, um, oh, also where can people go to find out more information, just the website or are you guys active a lot on social media or where do you want people to go? Yeah, no, I think the best is to come and directly interact with us. So come to our telegram group, uh, uh, t.me slash sentinel underscore co. Um, or find us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash sentinel underscore co. Um, and you'll be able to connect to us. You know, we're really open. I think that, uh, there's, uh, an exciting amount of people that uh, people that are really excited about our privacy tech. Um, so come, come join the community, check it out, ask some questions. People are happy to, uh, inform, you know, and answer questions to anyone that's like trying to figure out exactly how this, this tech works or how it can benefit them. Yeah, send me some links later and I'll put them in the episode description so people can easily find it. But uh, Dan, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.